Sex and happiness both enrich our lives, yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi, everybody. This is Laurie Handlers, and you're listening to another episode of Sex and Happiness, a show about your sex and your happiness and mine as well, and all my guests, sex and happiness. And today we're going to talk about a topic that isn't, seems actually not so happy. Uh, but, you know, in the end, we're going to turn it around. Um, we're going to talk about love and death and how it affects our lives and then how it's possible to have sacred sexuality turn it all around. So I've invited somebody who's been uh, tremendously affected by death. She doesn't know how much actually I've been affected by it too, I don't think. So that'll come out as we, as we talk about it. Her name is Lauren Cooney. She's a writer, director, and actor working in TV and film. And she is... Uh, she she's based in the UK in England and I met her in in Iceland this past January and we really really connected on a lot of levels including this one so Lauren welcome to sex and happiness hi Laurie thank you for having me yeah I'm thrilled to have you actually in any capacity I'm thrilled to know you Oh, I feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. So everyone, you need to know that when Lauren and I met, it was just like two little volcanoes meeting each other. <laughs> <laughs> and we got right to work talking about TV and film and the projects that we've worked on in the past and some new projects that we may work on. And one of the things I discovered was that Lauren has had an, an experience uh, with a best friend who took her own life. And I have had uh, a few too many friends who have taken their own lives. And we're going to talk about that today. Like, how do we recover from that? How do we continue to love and go on after we lose somebody so dear to us? But before we go there, I want to just ask you, Lauren, how did you get to be who you are? How did you get to be a writer, director, actor, a filmmaker? How did this, how did this happen to you? Was this the course that your life was on from the beginning? Or is this something, you know, more new in your life? Yeah, so um, I think in many ways it all makes total sense um, from when I was very, very small. Um, the acting part came first. Um, and I always see it that like when I was a kid, you know, the school playground never made sense. There was something about the politics of being a child and the expectations of being in school that I always felt like a total outsider about. And the only place where I ever felt that I was able to really uh, be myself to play and be expressive and have emotions um, and all that sort of thing was, was in the theater space. So I was one of those total sort of outsider theater geeks. Um, and that kind of continued all throughout my childhood and teenagedom. Uh, but, you know, as I became a teenager, I became much more about wanting to tell stories as well and realizing the impact of actually sort of like, you know, the world that we're in and how we create the world that we're in through the stories that we tell and the stories that are, are missing and the stories that 
help us make sense of the world. So I was always, uh, you know, writing and directing in, in theatre at school and um, in a company called the National Youth Theatre when I was a teenager. Uh, and then when I went to Cambridge University um, and it was only afterwards when I returned to London that I really wanted to make cinema. Um, and I became infatuated working out like, you know, how I could combine doing all three things in cinema because um, as a theatre maker, you're, you are very independent. You're able to devise and you're able to make things. And particularly in London, you know where if you want to put on a show with friends or you want to join a small theatre company, the avenues are available. But to actually make film, it felt like this huge, um, explosive, collaborative, so many people, so much money. Like, how do all these people come together under a shared vision? So it became a sort of mission of working out how to be this sort of, like, fluid, holistic storyteller. Um, uh, and, I, you know, I just, I just wanted to lap up all the different elements of, of what creates those sort of ultimate facets of of uh, fictional creative storytelling and it, and it t t like ties in and chimes in like totally with my experience of grief because it was only after um after the death of my friend Jesse that I really went okay well if I'm going to do this I'm going to be the person who does it and you know go off on there on my own and, and be a bit of a renegade about it and not wait around for the casting director or the director or the agent or whoever it was to sort it out for me but actually kind of learn on the job um so yeah, one thing led to another and I and I started making films and uh, that has led to where I am now where I'm, you know, writing on script commissions and I have, uh, you know, things in the bank for, for various sort of TV and feature film longer form projects. But it's that's, been, a, it has definitely been a journey. That's awesome. I, I So I want to just go back and ask you a couple of things. So you're saying that, if I understand you correctly, you're saying that as a result of the death of this really dear friend of yours, this was your closest friend, yeah? Yeah, she was. There was a group of uh, girls from school, and yeah. yeah, she was in the group. There were sort of five of us. So it was yeah. a very, very dear friend. So, as a result of her taking her life, you said, "I don't have any time to spare. I don't have anything mm -hmm. to wait for." It's like yeah. it gave you a kind of freedom and permission, like, you know, fuck yeah, I'm going after life now. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't sure I was allowed to to swear, but yeah, fuck yeah, I'm going after life now. It was exactly, <laughs> it yeah, was exactly you wouldn't that. be you wouldn't be the first person to swear on my show. Um, yeah, it's funny that uh, you know it's an internet podcast, so uh, we're not censored the same way as we would be if we were on radio network, which I used to be on a long time ago, but I'm not on that now, so we can kind of say anything. I don't know to do it too much. Oh. I see this as um, you know, you could have been, you could have taken the death so many different ways. Mm -hmm. You could have used it to take your own life. You could have used it to be depressed. Mm -hmm. You could have used it to yeah. get back. Yeah, I probably did all of those things as well. I mean, apart from <laughs> take my own life, but I definitely got depressed and got fat, I'm sure, at some point too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, I've had uh, something like six close people's mm. suicides in my life. Mm. And uh, they happened, the first one happened at a very, very early, early age for me. Uh, it was somebody who was, I was a counselor at a camp and I was like a junior counselor. I was like, a, I was barely a teenager. I might've been 13. And wow. the one who was my head counselor uh, in charge of these kids. 
drove off something, you know, like drove, mm-hmm. she didn't drive off a cliff because in New York, we don't really have too many cliffs, but um, she drove into something or whatever. And um, that was my first experience. But for me, the absolute worst one was uh, my dance partner, somebody yeah. that, that I performed swing dance with on and practiced with on a regular basis, like five nights a week. I just couldn't help. I tried everything I knew. And I think I'm very skilled at human beings, but Mm -hmm. I couldn't prevent him from taking his life. Mm -hmm. I was was sending him to a weekend workshop. And therefore I thought he was away. His family thought he was away. Everybody thought he was away at this thing that I thought would help him. In the meantime, he was at home taking, you know, preparing life. It was a, it was horrendous for me. It was just a horrendous, uh, you know, one of many horrendous experiences, which, you know, gave me, I guess, inner fortitude and character, but it was a, certainly a painful way to get that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's that's interesting, you know, in, in that example that, you know, you, you thought that you were doing everything that you could to help. And there's always this piece when someone takes their own life, particularly of this sort of like, your role in it like do we have the power to change other people's paths other people's minds other people's ideas so yeah I can I can really feel that and you know the kinds of emotions that would probably have come up in in relation to that that's really really yeah yeah I mean I had another one who was a business partner I had a business partner a female business partner when I lived in Boston we had a women's business women's educational and resource enterprises it was we are and then we had a man business partner who took an interest, a psychologist who took an interest in everything we were doing. And he used to do these Woody Allen things. Like he would call me up and say, I'm in a delicatessen and I just took 40 second alls. And I oh. went, what? Okay. I, you know, where are you? <laughs> and I would just, wow. But eventually he did do it. He did it while we were away on a, on a retreat. And uh. He made it hysterically funny. I mean, there were plenty of times when um, I don't know if you've ever saw the if you've ever seen the cult movie Harold and Maud. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> you know where Maud is this older woman and Harold is this young boy who's always like playing, you know, burning monks or playing, mm. you know every kind. Well, this guy was doing that all the time, so we never knew when he was really going to do it, and then mm. he did really do it. And that one, as sad as it was for me, it wasn't. Um, because I, I I wouldn't put him in the hospital. He wanted me to hospitalize him. And I said, he, that wasn't going to, you know, to, I didn't believe in it. I just said, I couldn't, I wouldn't put him in the hospital. So I knew he would eventually do it. Mm. Um, I just don't know how ever prepared anyone is for a death. So, I mean, you know, I have a whole other piece about that, but it's, I still feel the loss you know, I still feel the loss of these people and maybe they're part of what spurs me on to like transform lives, you know, in in my way. And I imagine that's what you're doing in your film and in your casting and in your writing scripts and everything, you're transforming lives. And that's, you know, maybe that's what gives us the impetus to keep going. Definitely. Like I I think, um, you know, death in itself and, and suicide death, like somehow that person seems to have run out of meaning, right? They've run out of, of, right. of to, to, 
to exist anymore. Like it, it just doesn't add up for them in, in for whatever reasons. Um, and really, if we think of life as a, as this quest to make meaning, to make it meaningful, to make it impactful for ourselves, like, you know, it's got to be the opposite. You've got to find a way to make your, your time on this, this planet or this iteration relevant, um, and urgent and rich, ideally. Um, yes. rather than kind of plodding along so yeah certainly I think you know if you're able to, to to kind of encounter those moments of darkness and then like whack them back with like an equal and opposite or bigger force of like life-giving joy and energy and spur like you know that's that's when it becomes a powerful force um, so good. I love hearing that it's wonderful mm-hmm. I, I agree so that's a really good place for us to take a break and um, and when we come back, we're going to talk about what you're currently working on, and you know what has what's behind that, what has motivated that, because what you just said is kind of like a an umbrella for what you're creating and the, and the meaning that you're giving things and and creating it. So we'll talk about those actual things in our next segment. Um, so. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Sex and Happiness, and I want to put it put in a shout out for Aneros. Aneros is a male enhancement uh, product. It's not a toy. There's a new uh, form of Aneros called the Trident Helix. And uh, if you're a man out there who's listening and you've tried the Aneros, it's it's actually an anal stimulation product and. Um, this new helix has larger head and has um, more contoured, angled stem, etc. And I strongly encourage you, if you're a man, to uh, get yourself in an arrows and see how it increases your sexual response. And if you're a woman who loves a man, or a mm-hmm. man who loves a man, maybe you want to try look up Trident Helix under a narrows. Their slogan says. Anything else is just a toy. So with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. I'll be back with Lauren Cooney. Did you ever stop to think that love is your birthright? That you don't need to earn it or prove it. You just need to live it. I'm personally inviting you to the path of true love, power, and freedom. If you're ready to enliven your soul through conscious sexuality and dive deeply into profound ritual that frees your heart, I'm inviting you to join us for the Spiritual Sexual Shamanic Experience. This is better known to most of you as the ISTA Level 1 training. I am regularly leading these courses along with a team of accomplished facilitators all around the world. As a matter of fact, these trainings have taken place in 34 countries. For information on when I'm leading, go to ButterflyWorkshops.com. Or for a full schedule, you can go to SchoolofTempleArts.org. Please consider this invitation seriously because love and freedom are your natural state of being. Are you wondering what book to read to jumpstart your life? Get the best from relationships? Attain the deepest feelings of intimacy? Do you want the best sex along with great happiness? Get your copy of Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy by Lori Handlers right now. You'll learn how to make love in the unknown, take the performance anxiety and reaching a goal out of sex. 
you'll learn subtle ways of communication and really important practices to empower you when dealing with an intimate partner. You'll let go of blame and struggle. Doesn't this sound great? Sex and happiness puts the innocence back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. Take charge of your life, physically, emotionally, and spiritually with Sex and Happiness by Lori Handler's only nineteen ninety nine paperback and fourteen ninety nine ebook. Order your copy today by going to butterflyworkshops.com. That's butterflyworkshops.com for your copy of Sex and Happiness. My question for people right now is if you're a woman who could use a little zest and zing in your arousal response, or maybe you know women or a woman who could use this, because many women say that their feelings of desire, arousal, and sexual satisfaction don't happen as naturally or as often as they'd like. So I want to tell you about Zestra, because Zestra was developed to meet this much-needed option for women. Uh, Zestra safe and a patented blend of botanical oils and extracts, and it's created to help women have increased sexual sensations. Zestra comes in convenient single-dose personal packets. Each packet keeps the essential arousal oils and extracts free, fresh, and safe from light. And with application of Zestra, it starts to work within three to five minutes. And at about 10 minutes, there's something called the Zestra Rush. And that can last up to about 45 minutes. The great news is that Zestra can be used as frequently as you like during each sexual experience. Now, I'm somebody who believes that all women deserve sexual satisfaction. That's why I do this show, in case you hadn't noticed. So, I believe that men and women deserve sexual satisfaction. So, if you're a woman who isn't getting that kind of arousal response that you want please call 877-426-8047. That's 877-426-8047. And please remember to say you heard about Zestra from Laurie Handlers on the Sex and Happiness Show. We are back with Sex and Happiness, and my guest today is Lauren Cooney, who's a writer and a director. She's been an actor for a long time, and she works on TV and film. And um, if you can tell from her accent, she's based in the UK. Uh, many of my listeners are in Europe and in the UK. And um, so, Lauren, I, you know, you made a statement in the last segment, which was so powerful about <sighs> digging in and even more so finding meaning to your life and purpose. And um, these are, this is powerful stuff. People mm. need that or else they go around like a dog wagging, you know, biting its tail. Um, and a lot of people are lost like dogs biting mm. their tails. So, mm. yeah. So how do you, um, how do you inspire people in your projects? What do you, what are you working on and tell us about what people could expect if they see uh, some of your productions like you know, anything, you can start anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it probably makes most sense to start talking uh, about Pendulum. Yeah. So Pendulum is, uh, is a 20 minute short film, which uh, I've kind of coined as a genre. I've coined it a, a spiritual sci-fi. Um, and it's about a, a generation that are born knowing that the end of the world is coming, you know, 
in their kind of young adult lifetime. So by the time they're kind of in their mid-20s, the end of the world's coming about. And it's got this kind of metaphorical, I guess, quarter-life crisis. So again, it, it relates to the period of my life when uh, when my friend Jessie took her life and it became mm-hmm. this kind of meltdown uh, period for, for, for me and, and for the people around me. Um, and I think it also sort of chimes in generally where a lot of people kind of step up in their consciousness and they look around and they think maybe the kind of career path or love path that they're on isn't actually what they want. So there's this general, you know, potential ego death or mental health breakdown or however you see it. Um, so so in, in Pendulum, um, you're following two friends, Karis and Gwillem, who are there living this really kind of dredgy London life that they've been sort of um, shepherding to live on, which is sort of like about disconnection and nihilism and hedonism and just sort of like when you're facing an, an inevitable end, what would you do um, apart from escape with some sort of dulled barriers up? Um, and uh, at the beginning of the film, the first rips in the sky are happening. The first kind of real signs that the end of the world is, is really coming and um, start appearing. And this couple, they decide to go off to India where, you know, there's all this kind of news footage of these sort of Indians celebrating and they seem to have a, a really different attitude to death. And, you know, they're thinking like, oh, we want to experience something more. Surely there's something more to life. Um, and they end up, uh, you know, managing to get this sort of last plane to India and, and being part of this um, sort of pseudo spiritual journey where they end up in a, you know, in a, in a commune run by a, a sort of a Western practitioner. And, um, you know, there's this whole sort of desire to sort of create community or, or live and um basically some shit goes down um and it's really about this process that they go on where they're then meeting the end of the world um with an enlightened transcendence so for me in making that film it was really about a personal journey at that point in my life like trying for me to figure out meaning out of death and also about really you know, questioning, like, through this character, like, what is it? Like, how do we want to face our demons? How do we want to face our end? Like, you know, I always said right from the beginning, like, the feeling I want the audience to be feeling at the end when they're watching this apocalypse is awe, you know, like, just straight up divine awe and transcendence, that feeling that you get when you're standing at the top of a hill, you know, for the best sunset ever, and you can't believe that you've got this view. Um, you know, you really want to be on that that period of not just acceptance and allowing, but like total sublime surrender with, you know, the stars uh, reflected in your eyes. So that's what Pendulum's about, really. It's about living a life of uh, something that's small and constricted, kept in a society that is numbing you and about taking a journey, you know, the kind of ultimate journey to kind of face your end and like, what, what is the way you want to face your end? How do you step up and what does it feel like? So, um, you know, Pendulum was this, this, this long iterative journey that's taken a really, um, a long time to finish and to get everything sorted and get it edited and, uh, you know, all the visual effects done. And it's uh, actually only released online a couple of weeks ago, officially after an amazing festival run where it went to, you know, Oscar qualifying festivals and won, uh, lots of awards wow, and it was, really, thank you very much. Yes. Um, and it, yeah, it's very, very cool. But to be honest, this bit's even more exciting because, um, you know, festivals, they're great, but they also have a limited audience. And actually so many wonderful movies can be watched online now. And there's a, a wonderful uh, platform 
called Dust, which is a sci-fi platform run by a, an American production company called Gunpowder and Sky. And they've got this whole like online community. And it meant we released this movie and within two weeks it had been viewed, you know, 200,000 times. Um, wow. Yeah. It's been rad as the Americans would say it's been totally rad and um it's just been amazing feeling that like people get it you know like there's been some amazing comments of people really feeling this sense of the awesomeness of of the ending and like kind of like getting people to question like what what are our lives for like what do we want to feel what is it that's meaningful um right at the very end so it's been a it's been a really amazing journey well, so let's tell people immediately how to find that because, and we can say it again in the next segment as well. But if people want to, I mean, that was quite, you know, I'm enrolled. I want, you know, that was quite a statement about it. So if people want <laughs> it right away, how do they find yeah. that? If you want to get your, uh, your uh, dose of death or then uh, go to www.watchdust.com forward slash pendulum. And uh, watched us. They also have a, a YouTube channel and an Instagram channel, um, and a host of other kind of quirky, weird, and wonderful um, probing sci-fi films on there as well. But obviously, you want to be watching Pendulum. Yes, Pendulum. Yeah. Okay, that's great. That's great to know. And what? And congratulations to you. I mean, what a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful tribute to and a tribute to your friend Jesse. You know? Yeah, you know, and it's literally at the end of the film, it says, you know, in loving memory of Jesse Lieberson. So it's it's beautiful that it um, that is there, immortalized. Um, so it really feels like part of that journey, yeah. Now I have to ask you a probably a quirky question here, but I know that your father <laughs> hasn't right. always been totally supportive huh. of you, the artist. Huh. Yeah. Does he now know how many people have seen this film? <laughs> yeah he knows i mean probably he's watched it 1000 times maybe <laughs> half of them are him um, <laughs> um yeah he's he's incredibly incredibly proud um and it's it's been really beautiful how much he's actually supported this this film and you know and the the amount of time and energy and money that i put into it like he could have had his um his stick up about but he's he's been very supportive of, of lauren the artist and the creative on this whole journey so it's been really cool That's so good now for you to have gotten you know let's talk a little bit about behind the scenes for mm. you to have gotten clear enough to have a lot of this happen you have participated in transformational work mm -hmm. yeah so mm. i mean i just want to let people know that you didn't do you didn't recover from all this stuff and find purpose on your own it takes sometimes it takes other people and and uh putting yourself into a body of work and yeah. transformational work to be able to get past this stuff don't sit in your room committing no. suicide and trying to like or a to suicide of a friend and try to get over it by yourself it doesn't work so well no, and, and it takes lots of, I think, different types of work and different types of immersions into, into life and into your being to really, to really get somewhere with it, with it. Like, for me, it's made total sense. We began this journey in 2013 with Pendulum and, like, the fact that it released, oh, my God, in 2019. Like, if you had told me I would have been, you know, working on this film and stuck with it for six years, um, 
you know, I would probably have had a heart attack. But I think the fact is, is that it, it needed all of this time for it to be coming out now because it's really only now that I'm completely okay with it that I'm that I'm sort of feel like I'm thriving again that I feel like I'm not even thriving again that I'm thriving in a way I didn't even know was possible and so almost like these sort of um various transformational journeys that I've been on like have enabled me to really look at some some sort of darker pictures and, and lighter pictures as well and actually it makes total sense that now is the time that that this movie is coming out and that I'm able to share it so good really so so good all right now so we started with pendulum what else are you working on and then uh and then we'll in the in our next segment we'll just talk about really how people find you how they look you up all these kinds of things so um yeah so what else so pendulum is out there you've you've birthed it into the world yeah and what What's your next baby? <laughs> so, uh, you know, like any good creative mama, I've got a few babies cooking. And yeah. um, I've, uh, there's a, a feature film called Retrieval that um, is in development um, that we want to use Pendulum as a proof of concept for. So it's a, it's a big, again, like this kind of actual kind of psychological, spiritual sci-fi also set between England and India. Um, but this time it kind of focuses on two sisters, one sister who believes the end of the world's coming and one sister who doesn't. And how that split in belief systems is actually indicative of how the whole world is becoming. So really uh, with retrieval, what I'm commenting on is is what we seem to have at the moment, you know, globally, which is like this kind of like divisive split of, of belief systems with some people who you know, who are terrified about climate change and some people who don't think it exists with some people who are voting, 50% of the people who are voting one way on one really extreme political party and 50% of the people who really believe extremely the opposite direction. So I'm, I'm really interested in this tension of belief systems that are destroying our societies and destroying our relationships and, and actually can destroy families. There are plenty of families where everyone's kind of voting in opposite directions as well. Um, yes, and also yeah. there's a split between uh, people voting about uh, feminism and, and toxic masculinity. Totally. <laughs> I mean, there's all that too, and that's like uh, it's, it's causing a division between the genders that's yeah. all, that feels to me sometimes like not solvable. Yeah, well... But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I think it's I think it's not solvable whilst we're also all still hanging on to the belief systems because the belief systems are just sitting on top of so many other things. The belief systems are sitting on top of our emotions and they're sitting on top of our conditioning and they're sitting on top of our fears about the future. And it's like, unless as a like as a world, as a society, as individuals, we learn to actually bury that. Yeah, go deeper, very deeper and actually work out like, God, isn't that interesting? Why do I have that belief system? And why am I so angered and triggered by someone else's someone else's version? Like, um, you know, we're going to keep having these problems. Whereas like, you know, in my utopian vision, there's a world where people are actually like, they find belief systems interesting. It's like a curiosity. Oh, how funny. I think this and you think that. Like, can we get curious together about why and actually on the root causes of all these things, do we kind of not all want exactly the same thing? Like expressing it in in opposing ways. Yeah. Everybody wants to feel safe. Everybody wants to feel like there's some abundance. You know, they're not worried about survival. Everybody Mm -hmm. wants to feel like they've, 
their family will be cared for. And, yeah. that, you know, like that, the air will be okay to breathe, the water will be okay to drink. I mean, people want basically the fundamental same things. And yet um, there's powers at large that um, that are operating on fear for the most part and keeping everybody in a sort of state of almost terror. There's so many people who are terrified that they that they get crazy with their beliefs. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the crazy element is, is exactly kind of what I want to draw out as well in retrieval. So in, in, in the movie, all the people who believe the end of the world's coming, they're, they're deemed crazies by the kind of serious, um, you know, people who want to keep control. So our, our lead yeah. character is actually a politician for the kind of the controlling right wing party in the UK. And her sister's one of these crazies who's part of a kind of crazy apocalypse fearing community out in India. Um, and it's it's really about you know why what what is it that makes people crazy like is it when we just don't understand something is it when someone just thinks completely differently to us is it when you know they're actually hitting on something which is deeply buried in our own subconscious like or is everyone a little bit crazy because we're kind of all just like wrapped up in our own our own vibe yeah well that's a good question <laughs> That's a good place for us to, you know, our, here it is, my listeners. Are you just kind of crazy? Am I yeah. kind of crazy? Is Lauren just kind of crazy? Are we crazy for be, to be doing what we're doing? And is it just so crazy? Or are there some solutions? Can we be part of the solution? Um, I, I am like Lauren. I actually believe we can. Um, on my new website launch, lauriehandlers.com, there's a little short video where I talk about how my father was uh, a Pollyanna. Like he believed that all kinds of things were going to happen by the time I was an adult. You know, the world would become a much better place. He told me that. And I, I go into all of these things that my father believed. And none of them happened. <laughs> but... <laughs> But I'm still working towards that. I have every reason to feel like I'm contributing to the solutions on the planet rather than the problems on the planet. And uh, I know that he set me up for that in some way of belief. Um, but, you know, it's it's easy to get discouraged. So let's not get discouraged. Let's actually make things work. Now, Lauren, when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about sex. You know, like how does sex play into this? Because after all, this show is sex and happiness. <laughs> so cool. what we've uncovered so far is that we need purpose and meaning to feel like we can go on. And then how do we get happy? <laughs> and I say it's about sex. So we'll just see. I just want to like hit on that topic with you for a moment <laughs> when we come back. So if you just tuned in, you're listening to Sex and Happiness. I'm Laurie Handlers. I'm talking with Lauren Cooney, who makes films and makes TV and acts and has been up to it for a very, very long time. So she said earlier in the show. And so when we come back, we're going to talk about how sex plays into some of it and also how you can find her and keep abreast of the projects that Lauren has you know, in her creativity. So we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Sexual healing, baby. It's good. 
So many times you've heard Lori talk about emotional release on this show. She says over and over again how important it is for you and your loved ones. Now you can do emotional release in the privacy of your own home. And you can practice Lottie Han too. Meditation that prepares you for making love in the unknown. In her CD, Shamanic Release and Lottie Han, she creates a safe and sacred space in which you can do the powerful work Lori is known for in her Butterfly Workshops courses. Lori sets you up with the proper positioning and breathing. Then she guides you through each emotional state to the beat of tribal African rhythms. This CD actually provides an easy way to do emotional clearing work on a regular basis. Order your copy of Shamanic Release and Lottie Han today and watch your relationships walk free of emotional baggage. To order your copy, go to ButterflyWorkshops.com right now. As a sex and happiness coach, I understand that increased sexual participation intensifies sexual responsiveness and desire, as well as overall health and well-being. My experience with a Sibian has personally increased my sexual response, and I can now train women to use this machine to have peak orgasms as often as possible. I strongly believe this will add to their health and well-being whether they have a partner or not. The beauty and the miracle of the human body is that it adapts and changes much more rapidly than people change their beliefs or their opinions. The Sibian can make any woman's body more resilient with each peak orgasm. Sibian is an amazing experience, often described as the Lamborghini of sex toys. If you're a woman and you can get yourself to look at Sibian, you should do so. It won't take away from your partner. It will only add. Trust me on this. I love my Sibian. Go to Sibian.com. That's S-Y-B-I-A-N dot com. Or call 1-800-253-6135. That's 800-253-6135. And say Laurie Handler's told you about Sibian. And by the way, if you do have a partner, ask about Venus for Men. That's Venus, V-E-N-U-S, for men. We are back. And again, this is Sex and Happiness, and I'm Laurie Handlers. Today, my guest is Lauren Cooney, and we've had a, you know, a deep, very deep conversation just now about things uh, that Lauren is making drama about to have us, I think, self-reflect, go inside and find out, well, how am I doing it? How am I uh facing my demise? How am I facing the end of the world? How am I facing these things with a smile on my face and a cheery attitude, which I have pretty much mm-hmm. every day. Although I didn't always, but I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said to Lauren before the break, like, let's talk about sex, baby. So, <laughs> <laughs> so how does sex play into this for you, Lauren? Like, or does it play into you at all? Cause I, I feel like it's innately, uh, partnered with happiness i i when people tell me they're happy and they're not having sex like i kind of don't believe them yeah of course um, <laughs> with you there um 
yeah, I think a huge part of my like personal growth transformation journey and, and working out like what's meaningful in my life has totally been about like my sexual relationship to myself and my sexual relationship to others and um, where I was like codependent on others and you know losing my integrity and my power and my sexuality so I've been undergoing various kind of uh, transformations in the in the sacred sexuality realm which as you know like you know is often initially at least about like kind of facing your demons and um your emotional releases so it's like it's all together right it's like if you can't cry tremendously in bed then you probably can't have a wild multi-orgasmic experience either um, Amen. I agree. I don't have my bell to ring it right here, but yeah. Oh, I miss your bell. <laughs> oh, ding. <laughs> ding, ding. Yay. Yeah, you can't. If you're not willing to go as deep as you can go into the, what we sometimes are running from, the horrific feelings and, and release them, then it's almost impossible to go to the heights. And before you were describing, you know, being on the edge of a cliff or standing at the height of a mountain and going like, wow, look at this. So mm. it's like that. If you don't, if you don't come from the depths and go to the heights, I'm not saying to be a yo-yo, but because <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. But uh, I am saying, you are saying, and I am saying you, you need to experience, uh, you know, your demons in order to, 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 feel like you're also in heaven and you Definitely. don't have to take your life. You could just feel heavenly. Yeah. And like on a really like basic, like physiological level, like if you're able to be in your emotion and like physicalize them and move them and feel like the depth of that sensation, like you're just opening up, you know, pathways in your body to feel, you know, all the sensations of, of joy and ecstasy as well. Like you're just, it's just great. It's just clearing out the channels. Yeah, so good. All right, I had to ask you that. That was my point. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm pro-sex, though. <laughs> so how, how can people, I mean, your work, uh, and you're, at, you're really at the kind of, be, you're not at the beginning of your career, but you're at the beginning of, you know, being known, really yeah. known in your career. So, yeah. so how can people get on your bandwagon? You know, like, is it to, is it to get the pendulum or is there a way to follow you? Um, yeah. yeah. So I've got a I've got a um a sort of a website for my my film and TV work specifically which is just my name so it's www.laurencooney.com. Um from there you know if you're a practitioner if you're a, a budding screenwriter particularly like I've been uh running courses which are getting increasingly more kind of a shamanic-y as well like um, I'm running a course which is called screenwriting for the soul and it's really about like you know do you want to do you want to tap in to find what your soul's purpose is to share it as a story with the world? Um, so I, I do stuff like that. And then uh, I post generally about my various um, explorations, both in the film world and in the, in the personal transformational and, and travel world as well um, on my Instagram account, which is Lauren underscore Cooney underscore. Um, so yeah, please like uh, get involved, watch my stuff, comment, share, like um, if you're, looking to grow and expand these ways as well. It's like, it's really exciting to just meet other friends and other voices in this space. And obviously if you happen to be a huge movie producer out there with a lot of money, like definitely yeah. get in touch. <laughs> well, I want to spell your name because you speak rapidly and, and people may have missed 
you know, or uh -huh. Jimena, they might have thought you said Laura. So I'm going to spell your name. It's Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N. And yes. Cooney is C-O-O-N-E-Y. So you can go to laurencooney.com or you can go to lauren underscore Cooney underscore on Instagram. And that's how you can find more. And of course, if you're a big film producer and you happen to need it, need and want some new talent. Um, here she is. I mean, here she is. Look no further. Here she Look is. Look no further. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and Lauren, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I have, I do have this screenplay. I'm not, I'm not talking about my, uh, my newest film, the big T, but I am, I do want to make a, I, w I think I want to make a feature film about the Academy for Men. Mm. So uh, yeah. I may be I may be having to attend your class. Oh my God, Laurie! I can't even think of anything that would be more wonderful than to have you on my class. Please, yeah. it would be really fun. I think it's just the timing for me, but we can speak more about that. Uh, oh, that sounds really really good. So I want to thank you for being on my show today. It was really a pleasure because really I haven't ever directly talked about death and how it influences life and how it's yet it can you we don't have to go down with it we could use it as more grist for the mill we could use it to motivate us and so i really want to thank you it's some we talked about some of the hard things today mm. you know yeah i'm, I'm happy to go there thank you for, thank you for me. yeah yeah, what I love about you is that you're willing to go there. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, oh, is it hard? <laughs> At this point, I'm like, I can talk about it all the time. Everyone's well, like, turn, we, turn off the death. We talked about <laughs> it in the very beginning when we met. So really great. Yeah. So my yeah, listeners, awesome. for my listeners, I want to ask you to tune in next time when I'll have another amazing guest. Actually, I'm going to have Linda Starwolf, who is responsible for shamanic breathwork. Wow. And and that'll be an, a very amazing show as well. So I invite you all to come back. And uh, I'm going to sign off now and say namaste for <laughs> sex and happiness. And thank Lauren again. Lauren, thank you so much. Thank you, Laurie. Namaste. Yes, 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 yes. And yes. this is Laurie Handler signing off for sex and happiness. Thank you for joining us today for Sex and Happiness. To learn more about Lori and her work, please go to ButterflyWorkshops.com or follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness. Oh.